beginning with the second verse. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be our peace. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. A reading from the first chapter of the Gospel according to Luke, beginning with verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town on the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped His servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever just as He promised our ancestors. The Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I have an idea about peace. I think if we were to stop and ask ourselves what peace is, probably what we would say is some span of time without conflict. But the older I've gotten, the more I've realized is that span of time without conflict is pretty darn rare. 
and the longer as I've passed through these 16 years in ministry, what I've really realized is that what peace is, is the presence of God. Because I have seen people be at peace in circumstances that startle the mind to consider them. I have seen believers in Christ stand against turmoil that would crush. I have seen people maintain faith against things that would rob faith. I have seen Christians serve others, even in a climate, a cultural climate that seems to demand that we seek to serve ourselves first. Peace. When we say that Jesus is the Prince of Peace, what we mean to say is that He will eventually and ultimately bring about a peace by His presence with us, His full presence with us, because Christ is always near to us, indwelling us through the Holy Spirit, through our baptism and faith. Christ comes to dwell in us and transform us and shape us and turn us into ambassadors for peace. But man, peace is hard to find. I give you an example. It's kind of a weird example, and I know that, so it's okay. I'm a member of a Facebook group called South Carolina Deer Hunters, or something like that. Why y'all laughing about that? Some of y'all might be members of that. That's why you're laughing. I'm just hoping to learn something. See young people enjoy the life that I love, not a sport, but a life. And let me tell you something. Without fail, some 14-year-old kid, 13-year-old, will post a picture of his first buck on that group. And he's elated, he's excited, he's been hunting with his dad his whole life, and he finally had the chance to get one. And he's excited about it. And he posts a picture of that scraggly horn little thing. And some 40-year-old professional hunter wannabe will roll into the comments section and say, you should have let it go another year. In my mind, that's exactly why human beings will not know peace until Jesus' feet touch the Mount of Olives again. Because we can't allow someone, we can't allow someone to be happy in a simple thing. We can't let someone have a moment of joy at something that doesn't suit us. Because as Martin Luther said, we are turned inward on ourselves. We are navel gazers. Concerned that our view be seen in the rest of the world. I know a person, personally, that if something is happening and something's being done, sooner or later this person will say, well, I wouldn't have done it that way. 
Because, dear ones, I think secretly we hate peace and love conflict. Because we hope that in the midst of conflict we will win. That we will be the victor. That in the midst of voicing our opinion, everyone will look to us and affirm us as the all-knowing thing that we think we are. And peace is hard to come by. On a personal level, peace requires being second, church. Peace requires that we look first to the Lord our God. Because peace is not an absence of conflict. It is the presence of God Almighty. Do you know that over the 245-year existence of the United States of America, we have enjoyed exactly 15 years of peace? I was startled by that statistic. Somewhere between 15 and 20, depending on who you ask. Isn't that startling? And every time there's been a war, we've been told it will bring peace. But has it ever? Have we ever borne arms against another nation, against ourselves, against our neighbor, and seen peace from it? Have we ever borne our opinion so vigilantly that we must win at all costs and seen anything like reconciliation come from it? I went on a mission trip once to Nicaragua, and what I remembered is that there was this big skirmish between the United States and Nicaragua and a big work to get Daniel Ortega put out of office. Y'all remember all that? When I got there, they had had an election because they were a democracy now. You know who they elected? Daniel Ortega. What brings peace? How can we arrive at peace in our own lives? Bethlehem isn't a model for peace, but we sing that song, right, that the Jesuit priest wrote when he visited there, O little town of Bethlehem. A couple stories in, about Bethlehem in the Old Testament that are almost too salty to tell in church. One is of a Levite who was from Bethlehem, who was going about his business and ran across a guy who had stolen from silver from his mom. And his mother was, oh, Lord, what happened to my silver? And the boy said, I stole it, Mama. And she said, oh, bless you, son. Here's the silver. Go make idols for us to worship. And he did. And he made a little shrine in the house. And then this Levite happened by one day. And, oh, he heard the story about that money. And so he, he sought to be hired as the guy's personal priest because he figured he'd take care of him. Greedy preachers apparently existed in that time, too. And so he hired him, priest for hire, to be his personal priest, to attend to his gods for him. That story is about a man from Bethlehem. Some other people came along later and threatened the guy and hired his priest away from him to go and lead them in worshiping the man's idols that they stole from him in return. They were seeking after a false peace. 
The other story about Bethlehem that's in Judges involves a young woman from Bethlehem who was taken by a Levite and made to be his concubine. And she was unfaithful to him, so he returned her to her father for a couple months, and then he missed her, so he went and begged her to go with him again. And they left there, and they ended up in a different town stand with a man, and people came and demanded that the man send out the Levite, send out the man so that they could abuse him. Y'all know what I mean? And instead, that coward gave up that little girl, and they abused her until she was dead. And then he chopped her up in 12 pieces and mailed her out around Israel. And the article that I learned all this in, I've read it, I've read the Bible at least seven times, so I've read it, but it didn't stick with me. And the article that I read this in and it stuck with me was entitled, O Bad Little Town of Bethlehem. Because even they, like us, had no clue what peace really was. In the verse prior to the ones I read to you, the promise from the prophet was that their their enemy was at their gate to lay siege to them and they would be defeated. That there was no peace for them immediately. That that army would strike their king with a rod. And then the prophet gives a promise that there will be peace for Israel and for all of the people who claim the name of the God of Israel. But that peace won't come through winning a conflict. That peace won't come through doing good. That peace won't come through being affirmed or accepted. That peace won't come from being right. It will come from a birth. It will come as one who is born to occupy the throne of David. It will come through one who is born, who is of ancient days, a promised one, a one who is given for the purpose of peace. And we Christians believe that that prophecy is fulfilled in the birth of Jesus of Nazareth. That He is God Almighty come to be one of us and to initiate peace in the world by transforming a people to show the rest of the world that peace and reconciliation are possible. That's what Paul said. He gave us a ministry of reconciliation. I ask you, church, how are we doing? Doesn't feel good, does it? Are we being ambassadors of peace in the world? In our workplaces, in our homes, in our neighborhoods? in our state, in our nation. Unfortunately, Christianity, at least a certain part of it, has gotten a bad rap of being argumentative and just wanting to fuss with everybody. I wonder if there's not another way. I wonder if there isn't a way of not giving up on the things we believe, but elevating peace. I think it starts with understanding that peace can't come from us. That we can't convince somebody to lay down arms unless we lay down ours first. Maybe that's why Jesus told us to turn the other cheek. But all of the 
violence and hostility, the contentiousness, the arrogance that lets a 40-year-old man put down a 13-year-old on Facebook, all of that horribleness that exists in us, the story of Bethlehem tells us will be reversed. Because, oh, bad little Bethlehem became, oh, little town of Bethlehem because of a birth. Because the people were expectant that if God promised something would come, then something would come. And I wonder when Mary heard from the angel, did Micah's promise fill her thoughts? Did she remember Micah's promise that one would come who would be a prince of peace? And when she sings that Magnificat about the violent and the proud and the arrogant and the, the rich and the wealthy who ignore others and all of those people who use people being unseated from their thrones and thrown down and the poor and the lowly and the humble being exalted. I wonder if she isn't saying that peace is here and lowly Bethlehem your time has come you are being raised and doesn't that sound in our ears as a promise that even our conflict can be thrown down? Even the hostility that dwells in our heart, even yet, can be reversed and healed. If God can heal Bethlehem's reputation, surely God can heal ours. If God can renew Bethlehem in the image of the world, in the sight of all, especially Christians, and surely God can renew His church in the same way and raise us up as evidence of what following the God of Israel can accomplish in the world. We saw an example here today. God through us providing peace for 14 children. Why would we doubt that there couldn't be more of that? Why would we think that it's enough? Why would we not hope that God could use us to announce peace in ways we haven't even dreamed of yet? Because surely this is at least one place in the world where we can acknowledge that the Lord God Almighty is present in the gathering of His people. So I say to you, let us wait expectantly, knowing that peace will come when the Prince of Peace returns, but remembering that we are His body here on earth now, called to be ambassadors of peace. And that, dear ones, is one of the greatest ways we can serve Him. To lay down our arms and take up the way of Christ. Amen.